Hi, I'm Cheryl and Fenn. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. Do you enjoy listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the podcast? Have you picked up our book yet? Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. That has over 100 cast and crew who have contributed to this book. And it's, I think people really love it. I mean, we also have community commentary where a lot of the community have participated in this. It's just a great book. We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. I'm Mark Frost, and you're listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I've got idea, man. You take me for a walk under the sycamore tree. The dark tree. That blow, baby, in the dark trees that blow. Welcome to this week's edition, Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazoska, and beside me... Ben Durant. Hey, Ben. Hi, Brian. Well, I finally got to watch parts three and four. Yeah, you're a week behind. <laughs> I know, <laughs> no. I know. You watched it when you should watch I it, right? I did. Yeah. It was nice. I was very excited Sunday. Like a dork, I made myself some David Lynch coffee. I sat ah, down. yummy. I, I cranked the volume up. I didn't even tell you, I bought a soundbar... I was going to ask you if you got one or not. I did. I mean, I had I had uh, some money saved up for my birthday. Yeah. And I spent it on a sound bar just so I could have a – really, I just wanted it to be loud enough. Yeah. I wanted it to be – Yep. And, and it was – David Lynch did say you need to have some good sound to hear this. And, and we should have realized that from the first episode when the giant, not the giant, basically says, listen. I mean, it basically is they want you to hear a lot of the sounds. And also seeing Firewalk With Me in the theater, mm. we heard things you've never heard before. My second viewing, I heard things that I didn't hear the last time I saw it. True. And I mean, this just, two things, blast it, and I have the subtitles on. So bizarre. (laughs) But, and I think this episode, they fooled us with the subtitles. A little bit later on, we'll talk about that. I think it's in this part Hmm. four. They didn't add something in the subtitles. Interesting. It was interesting. So we're covering part three and part four of The Return of Twin Peaks. And this aired on TV on May 28th, 2017. And of course, yeah. it was available to stream on the 21st. And now Showtime's saying uh, Twin Peaks is now like one of the their top streaming shows. Yeah, the ratings were so so. The ratings were okay, but it was like it's what they got is they got more subscribers and they're and they're really doing well with, with streaming. People, so I mean that's where you want. Yeah, that's what you want to pe- get. You 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 know what? Um yeah, you want that because we are all streaming. I'm streaming cable. I mean mm. if I didn't have a streaming cable service, I would have streamed it on an app. Right. Um on my TV of course 
because we have smart TVs and consoles that can do mm. that now. And, you're, it, and you do your phone and everything. I mean, like, I, I, I still couldn't watch TV on my phone. I don't right. really watch TV. David on my Lynch phone. would not be happy if you did. He believes it should be on a big screen. I totally agree with that. Watching TV on your phone strains my eyes, makes yes. my neck hurt, and you can't get comfortable. Yes. I actually, you know, sometimes when I'm doing notes or I'm, I'm, I'm reviewing stuff, yeah. I might take it to the phone just to, just to, just to look at the context of things. But I don't, mm-hmm. it's not going to, I'm not going to watch a whole episode on my phone. But, you know, good each, reference. It's a good reference. Own, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a good reference. I yeah. do agree with that. Yeah. So, where I want to start with this is we just go back a little bit and go back to the glass box yes. for a second. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, where this is, this part three is starting off, it seems like Cooper is falling through space. I guess that's what I would see is going through on. Through space. He's sw- yeah. falling through a dimension to the next. I was thinking about this, and then all of a sudden I, I was going back to the, this is just a theory I'm working out. About the whole glass box. Yeah, yeah. The idea with the glass box is that things are coming to the black. I mean, things are coming to the glass box. Like it seems like Cooper is, and then this monster. What if it's not that though? Because here's what I was thinking. It seems like Cooper is still in this dimension, falling and happening. What if everything in in this space near the glass box is going to the dimension? And I, here's where I'm going with this. If we go, if yeah, we go yeah. to season two, Cooper says, Where do you come from? The question is, where have you gone? Sometimes this space goes to the dimension. I know this is crazy, but I, I was thinking, that like, makes what if, sense. I don't feel like Cooper would have gone into the real world and then gone where he's going here. You know, like he, there's a certain way he has to actually go into the real world. So that's why yeah, I'm wondering. Yeah, he landed that box and then... He went back into space. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it is. Maybe it's some... But then he lands into a whole, a whole new place. Right. So, and that's where we, we can talk about that. But, but <laughs> it's I was a good wondering, theory, is, Ben. I, I agree. Is, it, is I mean, it possible that they could have just gone to another dimension for a small period of time? It's sort of like a portal. Because I feel like these people are trying to capture something. Right. But I feel like it's sucking things in yeah. to this and it wants it. Someone's paying money to get this information. But you make a good point that maybe this portal is so strong that it could go anywhere. Yeah, in, in that I guess I'm still box. working this out. I was just trying to figure yeah. out, was Cooper really, did Cooper really come to the real world or was he still falling and the the two worlds collided for a second? Like, was our real world and that dimension kind of came together? And maybe it can be both. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just a, a time and a place that these things can kind of mush. Because, yeah, why did he land in that box and then just disappear and fall again? Right. Why? Yeah. Yeah, there's... I don't know. I don't know. But Good so, theory, Ben. I, I mean, hey, by the end of this, we'll find out, right? <laughs> Let's hope. So yeah, he's back. So now we're on part three, and he's still kind of shaking, and it seems like he's falling in space. Purple world now. Yes. This purple. Now, this woman that Cooper runs into, the first thing I thought, oh, my God, is that Josie? I thought the same thing at first. At I first, I mean, like, is it? But we is know that, she's not in the series. No, right. Yeah. At least that's what we're led to believe. And it's hard. You can't blame a longtime fan like yourself and me because her eyes are covered up, and all you see is the bottom of her face. And it you're is kinda darker like, at first. I mean, the, the, you're like, oh my god, is that her? Right. As the scene went on, I realized it was not her. Her going into a doorknob. I yes. mean, a drawer pool. Right. Where would she go? Is this it? Is this limbo? Is this like this mysterious place that she's been hanging out? Right. 
It was a good theory, and you know, so it was maybe this past week it came out on the Hollywood Reporter that uh, the actors she actually wrote a letter to David Lynch, and she wrote it as the character of Josie. Ah, uh, sweet. But it was That's sweet, sweet. But it was kind of like, oh, I'm you know stuck in the doorknob, and, and will I ever get out? And but she was doing it like, tongue in cheek as though she would like to be part of Twin Peaks. And I don't know how, when this letter was written. It could have been written months ago, a year ago. Who knows? Yeah. But it was still kind of cool, and I would think that nothing ever happened to it. But it was still. Some people think, is it purposely done? Was it purposely released to get a buzz Ooh. for you and I to be talking about it right now? That but, makes you know. A, you have someone who maybe a lot of fans thought it was going to be her, and it wasn't. This letter comes out. It is it's, coincidence that it came out. Maybe not. But yeah, yeah. I think so. It seems like del- we're getting information deliberately every week. Yes, of something. And I think that adds to the hype of right. Twin Peaks. So I think it was probably released on purpose. Yeah. So this space, I've heard people call it different things. So I like calling it the Space Power Station. I think it was Scott Ryan who calls it the Power Station. And I think maybe Entertainment Weekly call it the Space Station. But I like to think of it as the Space Power Station. <laughs> so you're combining the I'm two? combining the two. I feel like this is part, still part of another dimension. And I don't feel like these characters are anything to do with our normal world. Okay. At least that's my theory. But but someone always reflects the real world. I mean, yeah. when the little man danced... Leland was dancing. Yeah. You had these reflections, which still exist in Twin Peaks, but I feel it's hidden more. It's it's not in your face like the original series. You really got to think a little bit. Maybe this is not the woman, but this woman mirrors the woman who got killed. She is pointing Cooper where to go, how to get out into the real world that's going to somehow get him there. I kind of feel like all these people are helping him get somewhere. It's a very different style of film, and they're doing stuttering, very stuttering. So it's skipping. going forward and it's going backward. Yeah. And I have a reason. I actually think there's a real reason for this backwards-forward motion stuff. We're actually in between the Red Room and our real world. Mm-hmm. The Red Room goes backwards, and the real world goes forward. Uh. So if we're in between these two spaces... That is why we're kind of going backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards. It makes totally sense. And then we're, we're going to get... You made to- sense of that because I... I, pardon <laughs> me, I was I, thinking electricity. Yeah. That's, electricity stutters sometimes. That's that what works, I was thinking. That works to me, yeah. for me too. And we're going to get into electricity. And Firewalk With Me dealt with electricity. Electricity. And it seemed to imply that was a, a way for the spirits to get to, into the yes. real world they, yep. they had the whole uh the electric, power lines power lines and stuff so it seems like this is really this is really explicitly saying yes that's a way for you to get into the real world is go through and we, an we yeah we were literally using an outlet and in firewalk with me the power lines connected to wooden trees so you have yes. the old and the new together right so i yeah i didn't put that together um, that's awesome yeah it makes total sense and we have a um, – when he gets to this box area that has the power, there's a three. It, well, there's a 15. I'm sorry. It starts off with a 15. It changes. It changes when he comes back, and it's a three. Yeah. And if we did 315, that is his room number for yes. at the Great Northern. Yep. It could be other – I mean, it could, the numbers could be something else, but it's interesting that we have 315. And later on, he'll we'll see he has his key that says 315. I know. And how exciting was that, that to was see so that exciting. key? Yes. And then I'm like, he, did he get it back? I hope he didn't leave it in her um, <laughs> car. Yeah. He was down there a long time. <laughs> wow. 
I mean, yep. Yeah, he was down there a long time. Well, I love how it's, it looks like a plug from the reverse side, mm. and it's going to take him someplace that would have a 15 connected to it. And I liked how he gets sucked through minus his shoes. Minus his shoes. His shoes thinking, won't fit. His shoes are rubber. Electricity uh, grounds ru- rubber grounds nice. electricity. Very nice. So I was like, well, it's interesting that his clothing went in, everything yes. went in, but his shoes and his shoes are rubber. Right. So that was my only thought about that. And then we have this 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 pounding at the door, and later on, uh, the actress who played Ronette sitting there, and she says the mother is trying to get in. What I is fe- that? I feel like this might very well be the same creature that was in the glass. Uh, box. I, it's kind to attack. And last week it was John and you who said it was a woman. I still didn't realize it was a woman. I mean, I guess the feature, and I still didn't see breasts, but I guess it's... Yeah, she was but, topless. Okay. Yeah. Why didn't yeah. I see that? <laughs> Why didn't I see that? So if it's a woman, it's very, could be very much be a mother. Ooh. And so yeah. I'm, just, I'm still thinking, I'm going with that idea that it's, it's the same creature. Yeah. And here's something else I was thinking about. The giant, not the giant, black and white scene at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He says the somebody's in our house now. Yes, like there's someone here we we don't know about. But I'm wondering if that same thing is the same is the person pounding on the door. I still think that black and white scene is in the future. But there's no past. There's no future. So you're right. That could that scene could take place anytime. Yeah. The phonograph. It sounds very much like this woman here in this space in this power station. I think you're the right. way she talks and stuff. It sounds just like that. On Reddit, someone did dive deep investigation of the sound, and uh, came up with the theory that that sound sounded like um, a casino. Yeah. The the, the I forget. You're pulling the lever yeah. and you're hearing the chiching noise. Yeah. And I, they they like. They, they said it was a slowed down version of that. Hmm. I mean, I didn't hear I that. Know. I hear more of her from the power station than I do that ching, but it's possible. You're I mean, right. it could all be together. It could all it be all, But, you know, it, ma- it would make sense. What's the, the power station? And the only would. thing is interesting. So, the, you know, they're in space, and, and I guess she's turning off the power, or she's turning on the power, and then this woman falls. Yeah. But Cooper's in, in this outer space. I mean,. <laughs> There's moments in these next few episodes where I feel like they almost jumped the shark. I almost feel like, oh, have they gone too far? But somehow it works for Twin Peaks. I was actually pretty amazed when you texted me that. When you sent me that text saying, I almost felt like, you know, you you, you texted that. I'm like, wow, you thought that? Like, for me, I mean, I've like, never like thought they're that climbing part. out, and all of a sudden we're in outer space. It almost hurts the brain. We're like, okay, we're in water. We're in a purple place. We go into a box. We climb the stairs, and now we're in outer space. Mm. Of course, this could still be part of dream logic to some degree, but yeah. it was like, I'm in outer space? Like, what is going on here? I, I get what you're saying, because sometimes, because this is so new to us, yes, it's sensory overload. Right. Honestly, when I saw the little man as a tree... Yeah. thing i was just like reminds me of Razorhead. that's cool right from that scene but a part of me was just like oh and maybe jump the shark you're like this is what is this but then on rewatches you're yeah. like oh this is great this works yeah. fine that's how i feel too that's yeah, what i felt yeah. about it as well i, I hear mean, you it almost it takes like, you to that edge yes. of like is this on the edge of getting out? like i get what you're saying but and then, i want at the same time i want more like, yeah keep yeah giving me this stuff like i please keep giving yeah, me yeah. but at first it's kind of like whoa we're now in outer space like yeah but it I, makes don't, sense. I don't know why falling and the red room and all that was fine. But at first I was kind of out of it. And then we see Major Briggs, which was cool to see a moment of Major Briggs. And that was very Eraserhead. Yeah. With his floating oh, yeah, body. Right. And they're like in Eraserhead, you know, 
the thing comes out of his mouth, and this one's like the same thing. I'm like, oh my blue, god, a blue a blue rose. Blue yeah, rose. it almost made me think of too, like uh, in there. Oh, rosebud, rosebud. rosebud. <laughs> it's re- is this David Lynch's Citizen Kane? <laughs> I, f- I feel like that footage might have come from when after he was kidnapped by Earl, and he comes back, and he's kind of like out of it in the sheriff department. It feels like they may have been able to take that footage and yeah. reuse it. Whatever they did, it was still cool to see a moment with Major, Major Briggs. Very cool. We have Cooper coming out where we also have Mr. C's driving on the highway. Mm. And and there's a lighter, there's an electric lighter an on. Electric lighter, yeah. yeah. In his car, Mr. C's car. So there's this moment where he's in a puke, cream corn in black. <laughs> so he, he pukes pain and sorrow. Yes. And blackness. It's a pain and sorrow, pain and suffering. Yeah, pain, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Diane podcast. Um, so this all happens. They puke together. This what, that, what a beautiful moment. A beautiful moment they share. <laughs> Even Kyle McLaughlin, he said uh, in an Entertainment Weekly uh, article there, he was saying how it was so gross. <laughs> Just doing that. So nasty. Yeah, it it looked pretty gross. But yeah, I mean, I love I do like the nod to cream corn that they, they're saying that. But so he seems like it seems like they're they wanting him back. He's going. He's being brought into the Mr. C is having to go back to the yes, red room. But here, here's the thing. He he doesn't have the ring. And here's where my I have a theory too about Dougie. We're gonna have to go into. We're gonna talk about Dougie. Yeah, let's talk about him, because Dougie. so Dougie was a product, um, or someone manipulated to to um, manufactured him manufactured to be. The guy who's going to go into the Red Room so Mr. C can stay in the real world. While the good Cooper takes over that body of Dougie? Or did the Red Room make Dougie so Cooper could go out there even if Mr. C's still out there? That is the question. I mean, that is the question, right? But, I mean, I think uh, it seems like like the one-armed man is very surprised by Dougie. And Dougie has the uh, the ring the on ring. his pinky. Yeah. So yeah, it is curious to know. Do you think Mr. C gave him the ring? So I feel like Mr. The guy? C, I feel like Mr. C is right. Yeah, I think Mr. C manufactured him. Okay. But there's so many questions. So we we also have people who want to kill Dougie because he's like part of like the casino scene. He's got some know. casino ties, and because he meets a buddy at the casino, a friend. Yes. So. And then at the same... Well, here's a, I, one other thing I just want to talk about real quick. The time. The time. When they it, puke. So the arm had said 2.53, and it seems like that's probably the time when Mr. C has to go back to the Black Lodge. Yeah. So he's running out of time, and at the same time, we have Cooper taking the place of Dougie so that Dougie will go into the Black Lodge. Lodge. I'm still torn. Was Dougie manufactured from the very beginning, or was Dougie just normal guy? Living his life, he's got a he's got a wife, he's got a kid, and he basically, um, Mr. C somehow gets that ring on his finger, and so and basically says, "You're going to be taking the place of me." Yeah, Mr. C should have went back to the lodge when Cooper came through, but Dougie right. went out. Right. They. Because they should be in the same body. I think the Coopers, one Cooper has to be in the Black Lodge and one Cooper has to be out. I don't think the good Cooper was ever even supposed to leave the real world. 
And that's mm-hmm. where things are really messed up. Yeah. So now, because Mr. C thought he tricked everybody by using another Cooper to go into the Black Lodge, but yep. then the real Cooper comes out. Yes. And so now you've got two Coopers out there, and one of them has to die. And uh-huh. that's, that is the rules now. So, yes. And that's the perfect – I think that's perfect because I think I love the idea that in 25 years you were stuck – and now you found a way to get out, and now you got the good and the bad out, and one of them's going to have to die. And it's also interesting that um, Dougie is in this, like, it's almost in this la-la land. You know, it's like in this, like, nobody really realizes what how he's just, like, it's Cooper relearning life. Like a child? Yes. But everyone's just kind of pushing him along. Right. Like, you wonder if Dougie was stupid in real life. Like the real Dougie was kind of out of it all the time anyways too. Or I don't know. Yeah. And it seems like they're all accepting it. Now, the, the I love this return of Twin Peaks because there's so many subtle callbacks to the original series. Dougie says, my arm is numb. Yes. Now the arm is numb. Laura and uh, uh, Teresa Banks both talked about a, a numb arm. Yeah. And they even I think about the, one of the, was it episode 27 where people are shaking their arm? I always feel like that's yes. related to. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Dougie is having an affair <laughs> with, with a hooker. With a call, call lady. Girl, yeah. A call girl. Jade, Jade, which makes me think of Jade uh, from uh, Invitation to Love, which actually she was the good girl of the two twins. But really? Yes. <laughs> so it is kind of she, – she, he's in this kind of Invitation to Love. You know, you have Naomi Watts coming in on his wife. Yes. Um, it, I will say there is a lot of jokes and a lot of funny stuff. And again, I was always worried. He's like, oh, is this weird to have this whole thing? But I, <laughs> it's awful. That I like that I have to give you two rides. And I, that's – Yes. I know that's like the childish boy in me that was, thinks it's funny that she had sex and then she's also gonna give him a real ride. But it was it was I thought it was kind of funny. Yep. And then uh, Dougie Love, Dougie on, Love on a license plate. plate. Yes. And there's and these we, guys looking out for him, looking for him. That's why I was wondering: is this Mr. C? It's basically hiring these guys to, to kill him because they they kill him and then Mr. C is allowed to stay in the world. There you go. I, I think, think he nailed that's, it that's because it makes I, no sense why this little family. I mean, he is having an affair. Well, we got to take a break on Dougie for a minute. The neighbor across the street is this woman. 119. 119. 119. And she's there with her. Her child eating saltines. Uh, She's got a a red balloon behind her. She's messed up. She's messed up. And you got a deck of cards, which was a lot of speculation. Is that the card that uh, Mr. C has? Oh, yeah. And she's drinking Jack Daniels, and she's saying 119. And that's what Cooper wants to say. 911. Call for help. Yes. He later on says that. Right, right. And she's talking in reverse. Interesting. Interesting. And... The duality, I want, to, I want to point out the duality that I noticed. Because in the other Twin Peaks, it was, like, pretty obvious. And this one, I feel like it's a little bit more subtle. You see that scene with her child eating saltines and her sitting there with a balloon mm. behind her? Later on, you're going to go into Dougie's world where he missed his son's birthday party. Right. And the red balloon's behind the wife, but it's mm. floating. The wife is all dressed nice, and the kid's eating... All, there's always good food. Mr. C gets into a car accident partly because he's, he, you know, he's kind of losing it because he's almost gone to the Black Lodge. And then these cops come and yeah. like they can't even get into the car because it's so disgusting and so it kind of reminds me of the black oil or that oil, scor- scorched Scorso- engine oil. But that, he puked it up, right? So it's gonna be 
bile yeah. and vile and like cream corn. I, I wish we saw, we got to see what was in that car. It must have been a mess. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't see that. And we head back to the sheriff's station with Hawk, Lucy, and Andy. And No, it, do you, are you like me when you, you see that sheriff sign, you just go, yay. I yes. actually oh, say I that know. out loud. Yes, I go, course. yay. Of course. It's like, oh, we're back in Twin Peaks. And he's got the donuts, Hawk's got the donuts and coffee, and they are trying to figure out what is missing. And there's this whole debate about, like, how do you know it's missing? Oh, if it's not there. (laughs) Right. But, yeah, I love, I do like the callback to the pilot with uh, Cooper saying, I'm holding in my hands a box of chocolate bunnies. bunnies. And we come to find out that Lucy ate one or two of the bunnies because she had gas because she was pregnant <laughs> with Wally Brando. Yes. We have the Easter Bunny, which I mentioned to Ben. I texted him like, wait a minute. Didn't Cooper go missing or that all happened at, around Easter? And you're like, yeah, it happened the day after Easter. So the, the bunnies do are a clue to when everything happened. We get to meet Truman, which we kind of knew. Brother of, of Harry Truman, right? Yeah, Frank. Yeah. Frank Truman. I love how... He gets involved, and he, he Lucy doesn't even know how cell phones work, so she's a little off. I don't know if she doesn't know. If she she just has issues with with space and time, which is kind of like what we're dealing with Cooper. Like she doesn't understand that. Like if you start a conversation in one place, you can actually move and still have a conversation in another place, and that person didn't have to stay in the same place. Yeah, and she oh. falls backwards and screams. <laughs> and Andy is like, "I told this you how all these." The time, yes, yeah. and I explained to you, and I'm like, "Hmm, interesting. She ha- there's something wrong with Lucy." That she can't get this. I mean, it's been 25 years. Technology has moved. Her office has stayed the same. But can we even get the whole idea that Cooper is in different dimensions and there's different time and different space? So I mean, it's oh yeah, on a meta like, level, on a meta level, yeah, even yeah, us yeah. as viewers are having trouble understanding where is Cooper. And I get how- that. I get that. But in the show, this is how I see it. You know, Frank Truman goes into the back and he's got the real operation back there, which is really funny. He's got the real call center. He's got the real police. I, I, I don't want to believe it's the real. I believe it's... Yeah, and they're all competent people. And you got Andy and Lucy just living uh, their lives. Uh, but these people are doing the work. And you can tell. I kind of feel... Okay, okay this is how I look at it. This is If I made a, a fan fiction up about the Trumans, this is how I saw it. Harry got sick. He called his brother and said, listen, I, I, I can't be here anymore. You need to come and maybe bring your people with you. I just can't do this. Now, he loves these people. He will keep these people because Harry is its like family to him. He'll keep these people employed for the end of time. Mm-hmm. He says to his brother, listen, you're going to have to deal with Andy and Lucy. I know they're a little, they're a little odd, but they're part of family. So you can't, you got to keep them employed. So Frank comes in. He brings his own people and puts them in the back. He lets Lucy Pretend she's still working. Oh, come on. Andy's still there to support Lucy. And he's got the real operation in the back. That's how I perceived it. And I kind of feel like after meeting Wally, he he walks walks away just going, man, yeah, I've I've had enough of this. I got to deal with this every day. Like, you can tell he's just a little frustrated. I like to believe that everybody has a purpose and and they all have something they're supposed to do. They, they, They have a whole team. Like... 
Twin Peaks has grown and there's been more crime. It's clear that there's more yeah. crime. And it seems like talking with Bobby Briggs, there's more crime than there used to be. And so you have to have a bigger squad, a bigger team. And I still think that Andy and Lucy, Lucy have- Lucy can handle it. No, they ha- I'm not saying they don't have to handle it. They, <laughs> they can't handle it. Lucy, like she's like a secretary. Like she yeah. deals with certain stuff around the town and she takes messages <laughs> the sheriff. I don't think there's anything wrong Here, with Lucy. I think it's fair to say uh, Twin Peaks has grown and changed and more crime, you're right, more serious crime has come into mm-hmm. this town that they're not equipped to handle. Let's talk about Wally. Now, last week you talked to Harley Payton about that scene and you said you think he's full of shit and I totally agree. I think Wally... Every week, and this is why Frank <laughs> is on his last nerve, Wally comes over and just pretends to be Marlon Brando from yes. some movie. The movie is The Wild One, 1953. Yeah. Yeah. Same same jacket, yeah. same hat, same kind yeah, yeah, of get-up, yeah. motorcycle. Right. He's, yep. he's like, I don't and know if he's the doing accent, the bad. He's, yes. doing the a- yes. he's doing the accent and everything. And that, and I kind of feel Every like week. He, every week. Say, I <laughs> think he comes in every week. And he does this. I've been everywhere. I've been to uh, I've been to California. Yeah. And I've been to across the country, and I've done it all. Uh, yeah, and I, uh, I I thoroughly believe that. The only thing I believe Truman's is that he is, he is allowed while he has allowed his parents to change his bedroom. I believe <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving him permission to change my change bedroom. bedroom. Yeah, yes. and you can just tell when he walks away. He's just kind of like, I've had enough. Right, but it has a great scene. I really do oh. love uh, love Wally and. <laughs> It's too funny. And, you know, honestly, it was very memorable, and I don't feel like we're ever going to see him again. Yes. But that's all. That's all we need. It was great. And you know what? It it, it show, this These two parts, last week we talked about how uh, we haven't had the quotes yet. Holy smokes. The quotes and everything from these two episodes have... Um, are awesome. Like, there's so many of them. Memorable moments. And we're getting to the casino scene where uh, Jay Hello. Dr- Hello. <laughs> so he's in the casino. There's a lot of great stuff happening with the casino where he's just winning. What a great scene. Yes. The Lodge is allowing him to win. Here is my theory originally. My theory was if he makes a spectacle of himself, this will call attention to somebody. And this somebody could be the feds. And that would be, but but it happened because Mr. C gets arrested, yeah. and that calls attention to them. Right. But a part of me was like, oh, is, he, is this something like, uh, look at me, look at me, getting content? He's getting attention. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like the giant giving clues. I think they're just there to try and help them, help that, him on his way. And it does like, help he, him though. Yeah, it helps his wife out of debt. They're right. out of debt. They can pay off. They do mention they got to pay off some people. Mm. And I was wondering if those are the people looking to kill him. But you I, make a good theory yeah. that it, that could have been Mr. C that did that as well. Right. I don't know. Sabrina S- Sutherland, executive producer, is a casino uh, assistant. So she's the woman that's running around helping Cooper out. I love it. I love, I love that it. scene. But she's, been, she's worked with Lynch for years on all kinds of different projects. But it was cool to have that she has a little scene in, in part three and part four. That's cool. And... Uh, small little cameo. Uh, if people watch Walking Dead, Eugene, the uh, the guy who plays Eugene, shows up, pats Cooper on the back, and he's like, "Oh, you're doing a great job." It was interesting because remember in IMDb we kept seeing these 
celebrities, one episode, one episode. Yes. It's like walk on roles. Right. You're seeing all these familiar faces. Right. Which is really cool. That's cool. And, you know, so he's doing all these winnings and coming up sevens. And seven has been a, a reoccurring. I mean, there's a, I keep seeing all these different numbers, numbers, but seven has been reoccurring. Six re- is reoccurring, but it's it's kind of interesting. But Mr. Jackpot. I mean, it's funny that he just he. I think he got thirty in a row that he he oh, won. He just kept going and going, right? and, and like he would let a woman. A woman's like, Mr. Jackpot. Which yes. one is she? She hates him in the beginning, <laughs> yes. but by the end, she's just like, ah. Mr. Jackpot, come on! And again, I was—I always worried that it was going to jump the shark, but it was funny, and I enjoy it, especially as I watched it over again. But it was kind of like, okay, what's happening with Cooper? He's out of it. He—he just—he's. It almost seems like Raymond Kmart sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> saying the same thing over and again. But it works, and it's funny. And at the same time, I'm really hoping the real Cooper shows up in the next few parts or something. I'm like sure that. he will. Yeah. yeah. And I love the tone. We went from. Very mysterious and serious last two to humor. Mm. It's a good flip. Definitely. I love it. I love it. And we finally get to Gordon Cole and Albert and he's with a team of Amazing. people. Yes. And we have the new... Um, Agent Preston. Yes. Now, she's a, a musical artist. I didn't know that. This is her first acting gig. Crystal Bell. Is it Crystal Bell? Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is her first acting role. And I guess David Lynch just liked her and... Yeah, I mean, he's worked, so he's worked with her before. He's worked on albums with yes, her before. Yes, he, pro- he recorded and produced two albums with her. Right. Yes. So they've had a release. But she is the FBI agent from a Mark Frost's book, Secret History of Twin Peaks. They're actually looking over the New York event that happened there with the, the, the two people getting killed by, uh, with the monster from the glass yes. box. But again, here's a way of connecting our Twin Peaks characters with this with. other stuff. And, and you get to see the aftermath. Uh, and part of me was like, are they going to come back? And no, they're not coming back. Right. It's like they were hollowed out uh, chocolate bunnies. <laughs> chocolate bunnies, yes. Whoa, whoa, maybe that's a connection. They're hollowed out chocolate bunnies. Literally, the tops are gone and everything's sucked out. Oh, man. Hollowed out chocolate bunnies. It was so cool to see Gordon Cole... It really is, yeah. And, uh, Albert together. And I know that, I mean, uh, Harley Payton uh, had problems with seeing too much David Lynch, but I love seeing David Lynch. I love seeing Gordon Cole. Yes. And I love, but we're like, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, he's kind of like, I don't know what's going on. And then there's talk about Cooper is back, and they get a And I'm call. thinking, I'm thinking, oh, this is the David casino. T- there, there's something like a, happening right. at the casino. He's like, <laughs> no. call for help. Call yeah, for help. Because right, you would think, call for help, you would then see him calling, but no. 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 It's interesting because that's where I thought it was going. Um, and granted, it's the fact. So that that episode ends with a nice performance at the Bing Bang Bar. My theory with the Bang Bang Bar. Which is also the Roadhouse. The Roadhouse. I don't know. There's like these artists playing. We've only seen Shelly and James there. Um, but you you made a good point before we started recording. Do you want to talk? I think it's a perfect time to talk about that. I, what do you feel? I do really think we're, we're starting at this macro level of like here's, you know, the whole country and we have these New York stuff going on in South Dakota. But it's going to become micro and it's all going to come down to Twin Peaks. Mm. 
I can even see it where we have nine episodes where we're we're really out there, and then maybe the last nine will be focused on Twin Peaks. So mm. I feel like there's all these different storylines. I feel like there's there's talk about New York with Ben Horn a little bit, and there's talk. All these characters somehow seem to be intertwined. Okay, yeah. And it's hard to see it right now, but we're going to get to a point where I think we're going to be focused on Twin Peaks, and I do think the the Roadhouse will play a part in that. Yeah, I do agree. I, the Roadhouse, something's going to happen at the Roadhouse. It is happening again. It is, he, that's <laughs> and, where the giant was. And the owls are in the Roadhouse. Roadhouse. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, so a lot has happened there, and I, I was really worried when I heard that this was going to be an 18-part movie. I was concerned at the ending. How were we going to make it feel like there was an ending? And they did it brilliantly by always returning it back to the Roadhouse and kind of just having some music. And it's a yeah. like, great way to just, like, okay, it's like intermission and we'll come we'll continue again on the next week and i watched this one live so it was one the three and four put together mm. so i just watched a whole performance by this band people clapping and it goes right to the next scene okay it was great that's great yeah it was yeah. interesting to see how they did that but yeah. yeah so in part four we've already kind of talked about some of this stuff it was interesting that you know they're taking uh good cooper there to his wife's you know, house where it really is Dougie's wife, and there's a red door. Like yes, interesting. And this is why a part of me is like, do you think Dougie look like Kyle MacLachlan? Like, okay, let's 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 go. Like, if um, not a viewer, but we're actually in this world, does Dougie look like Kyle MacLachlan or look like someone else? And it's just his body inhabiting Dougie. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I know what you're saying. I feel like it has to be another copy of Cooper. Gotcha. It has to be, or, or the Black Lodge wouldn't want him. So I think somehow it was manufactured to be almost identical gotcha. body. Okay. I yeah. feel like or I they, feel, or the I Black like Lodge so. wouldn't want him. You're right. And he had the ring, but he was fatter because his, cl- his clothes were um, right. pretty big when he gets on the green suit. Gordon Cole pays Denise a uh, a visit. The head of the FBI. Yes. Now we all thought it, from the photos he was going to be doing. She was going to be doing something. Law. Was, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had a weird conversation. The dialogue was snappy. I loved it. I yes. loved the dialogue. And I guess this is the first time David Lynch actually did direct uh, David Duchovny because you know it was a different director. So I think oh. he enjoyed having that. Here's something. So. You know, Twin Peaks, the old Twin Peaks, someone would say it was sexist or it was, it would definitely play tongue-in-cheek about women. Some would even say innuendo of Twin Peaks is about women's breasts. I mean, there's there's definitely... Twin Peaks always had this weird thing about older men in high school women. Yeah, or young very, women. Very yeah, young. Well, very right. odd. Yeah. But I feel, in some ways, I almost feel like the message here, that, especially between Lynch and Denise, is that, like, Gordon Cole is still who he is. Like, he still loves women. He tries to say, hey, you know, you were once this way, too, uh-huh. and stuff like that. Yeah. At the same time, they're trying to show respect that, you know, I respect women, and you, you can trust me. And I feel like that showed up also with Ben and Jerry. Jerry's like, oh, the new girl, as in, like, the new girl from... One eye jacks and like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna basically bang her and stuff. Yeah, and He's Ben's like respect. like respect. Yeah, and so it, I feel like they're trying to have your cake and eat it too. We're still gonna see men goggle over women as they the back of the women as they walk away, and we see that later on. Right, we see that later on. Yeah. At the same time, there's this sense of like women should be respected and they are equal and they should, you know, we, we you know, that we should respect them. Yeah. And so I kind of like that. I kind of like that at least they're kind of sending that message out that like, hey, yes, we, we do respect women. 
but we still there's still a part of us who we are who we are. And uh, Denise said, you know, Denise calls him out on it, and Cole just says, you know, you were the best of the best, mm-hmm. but I would never bring up your past. Oh, he did it better. He did it better that like he said, you know, back in the day, I was your boss. And, you know, when you went through this experience, this life-changing experience, there were people who wanted to go after you. Mm -hmm. And I stuck up for you. And, you know, I'm there for you. It really really comes down to his respect. Mm -hmm. Respect women, transgender, transvestites, whatever. Whatever. We should all be respectful to each other. And he's basically saying, I love women. I'm not going to change that I love women. (laughs) But you can know that I also can be very respectful. I almost feel like it's a call out to the audience. Yeah, in a way, in, like amongst is. the characters, but it's also saying, right? We know how it was back then. Get it, get with the times. Yeah, and he, like to fix their hearts or die. Yeah, fix your hearts or die. And again, I don't know if we'll ever see we see Denise again. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying about we're we're getting a sprinkle of these char- these characters. Are we going to see more of them or no? I don't know. So we have Bobby Briggs. It was great to see Bobby Briggs and Bobby Briggs. How cool was that? His job is to make sure the drugs don't come in over the Canada. And if we remember, it was him who was getting the drugs from Canada, basically. So yes, yeah. you use the man who started it all, I guess, <laughs> and he knows the way. Yes. So, but it was great to see him. And then this wonderful scene. Where he comes into the uh, into the conference room and he sees the picture of Laura Palmer and he just breaks down and it's our, probably our first time that we really see this emotional crying that we from the old series yes. where we see it all the time where people would break down and, and he gets that, choked up. Right, you think this would be from like Andy, but instead we have Bobby Briggs who's like emotionally invested in, in it. It's so just, cool. Oh, it's so good. It was very well done, and you get to hear Laura Palmer's theme. Yeah, and so there's a whole other thing where uh, Badamenti. You know, he he scored this, but he we haven't heard a lot of music. I think what's going to happen is we're only going to get a little bit of sprinkles here and there for, like, special moments of Badamenti's music. As we get closer and closer to returning to Twin Peaks, we're going to get a lot more of Badamenti's music. I think his music only lives in Twin Peaks. That's his why. Part of me feels like we're just we, – we hear those classic themes mm. when it comes to the town. But we're outside the town so much, we're hearing other things. Yeah. But I think we're getting a lot more. I think some people yeah. are disappointed that we don't hear more. But I think it, I think it's it's done on purpose, and eventually we'll get even a lot more of this music. I think the mix of music in this show so far has been awesome. I love it. I love the ambient sounds, and yeah. it is great. We have Cooper waking up, taking a pee. He hasn't <laughs> peed in twenty five years. I'm sure he's peed before that, but it's. Just, <laughs> And it reminds me of, like, there's several scenes in the original Twin Peaks where he says, Harry, I have to urinate. Yes. You know, like, Harry's eating his donut. And then there's, I have the call of nature, and he's yep. out in the woods with Briggs. But I just think of these moments of, like, well, even with Bobby Briggs, everybody has to use the You're, bathroom, it yep. seems like. But it's. And it's a long pee. Yeah. And he get, he sees a black lodge. With the one-armed man there. Telling yeah. him. Um, having the marble, you know, they turned the original Dougie into this marble. Mm, which golden is weird. marble. Weird, huh? I've been re- what do you get out of that? Anything? Well, I think it's just manufactured that, I mean, you keep thinking it's a person. I keep wondering if there was never, was never a Dougie, whether Dougie just became a, a full man mm. and served a purpose for, I don't even know how long. Was it long enough that he was able to have a family? That's what I'm saying. But Isn't I mean, that I crazy? I, it's crazy, but so it could be multiple years that, that, that it was all getting in place for the time. The when, long con. The long con. Yeah, you're right. No, I agree. 
I think going into a random person doesn't make any sense. This Dougie person was made because Mr. C knew down the line this is going to happen. Yep. I have to be prepared. Right. He knew. I mean, I actually wonder, too, if, like, the whole thing with Leland and and Bob, whether – was that a 25-year thing? I'm trying to remember when, you know, the whole Pearl Lakes where he he met Bob. I don't remember the time. I wish I could remember the when time When he was period. a kid. When he was a kid. But, like – could you be a kid at 15 and then 25 years later you're an adult grown up with a child? I'm trying to figure out mm. – I don't know if it works out the math, but I was trying to gotcha. figure out was was the whole reason that we had to get the whole – get Laura to become possessed by Bob was because he was running out of time, that he was going to have to go back to the Black Lodge and he was hoping that maybe Laura could be his his next victim so he wouldn't have to go back. I don't, yeah. I'm thinking that. Yeah. You know, while he's in the bathroom, he looks at the mirror, which makes me think again, he's not Bob. He sees his reflection, but he's also. Remember, like, almost having a moment of, like. Who I am. Yes. Who am I and stuff. But I love that whole mirror thing that he's looking at himself. Son comes over. He makes eye contact with his son. He looks down where he was shot. Huh. He looks down and he touches his stomach. And then. The boy does the thumbs up, yeah. and he does the thumbs up. Love it. It was so cool. It was so cool. The thumbs up thing was funny. Yeah, it was great. You're right. He's kind of like a baby, and he's trying to figure out how to dress himself. He's trying to figure out how to do a tie. The tie goes over his head like a hat. Yes. So he and drinks the coffee. I thought, like, because it's so hot. Now, we yeah. remember when Cooper drank hot coffee, he spits it out. Yeah. And this, he doesn't even know how to spit out. Right. <laughs> it was oh, so good. It is so, so good. good. So Gordon Cole and Albert and uh, Preston go to the the I think it's actually at the Southern uh, South Dakota prison. Yes, where Mr. C's being Mr. Held. C is. And now I was like, oh, it's Mr. C. Right, you're and not you know Ray, Cooper. I believe is I I have a feeling Ray is at the same prison, so I feel like they're gonna meet up maybe in the next episode or so. Mm, yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. Yes. So what do you think of the scene between <laughs> Mr. C and them? Well, it's interesting. I noticed a couple things. The voice was slowed down. He's like, like it's, like oh, yeah. I almost wonder. It's because he's talking through a speaker. That's what I originally thought. Like, is this room and the, is yeah. it causing his voice to be like slow down and sound almost demonic? It doesn't sound. Like, the way he sounded before. Right. And then on top of that, you can tell the oddness he's acting. Like, he's almost trying to pretend to be Cooper. Yes. But he's not quite there. Right. And a lot of speculation online today about how the greeting, about the greeting was Yeah, off. well, so Gordon Cole, after the whole thing, they go outside and Gordon Cole says to Albert, I don't like the way he greeted me. Mm-hmm. And my first thinking was... Well, of course he's odd in general, but there's the whole thumbs up. Did he did he give the thumbs up wrong? He's very slow. But welcome to Twin Peaks. Peter Dom. Peter Dom, he has something up right now. The first thing he says is reversed. Yes. So he says very, very. Yes. And the first very is reversed. And it's interesting because I watched it with closed captioning. That very does not exist in the closed captioning. The first very doesn't even exist. In the closed captioning. Ah. But you'd hear him say, and almost right. like he's skipping. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. So I, I saw it twice, 
And then when I saw the article, I'm like, I thought it was me. I'm like, what? So I'm like, oh my god. So the very, yeah, the very is reversed, as though if you were from the Black Lodge, you would be talking backwards. So you wonder if he was, did he get damaged from being in the car? Head trauma. Head trauma, and he's he's going back to his ways. It's Here's something, I'm just, wow, I'm just putting this together. We have Cooper learning to be back in the real world, and we have Mr. C, who may have been damaged as well, who's trying to express himself in the real world, but he's kind of going back to where he's from, the Black Lodge, talking uh-huh. backwards. They're both kind of messed up right yeah, now. Yeah, they're both kind of messed yes. up. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Duality. Yes. The same character. I almost wonder if there's a connection that they're not going to be function When one's functioning, the other one will be functioning? Yeah. I, I don't, don't think, know. I don't, I don't think that like, if you broke somebody's arm that the other person's going to have a broken arm. No, no, I, but I'm just saying because they're both messed up at the same yeah. time. Albert expresses to him that he he actually did have contact with Agent Jeffries, and he gave information that he passed on to Mr. C, and... Uh, knowing that, well, they don't even know who Mr. Th- this Cooper is. Right, but they, they thought it was Cooper, yeah. and then soon after that contact died, that the information that he had. So, I think Albert has been weary of Cooper. And he, and I kind of feel this weird thing about Albert, something's going to happen with Albert. No! I feel like he might, he seems off now. Now, what do you think about, they have this whole conversation with a blue, it's like a blue filter. Yes. I feel like they're really pushing the blue rose on us here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's the time of day that is, maybe the sun is setting. And I love how uh, Gordon Colt cranks up his earpiece yes. so again, he can whisper. Kind of, again, we're kind of focused on, you have to really listen carefully, I feel like. And that's, even David Lynch is saying, I'm going to crank this up because you really need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was nice. And then he he just Albert just moves his foot and it makes uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it irritates. I mean, uh, Gordon Cole. There. No, I I love these two together. I hope we get a lot of them together yeah. because it's just. The chemistry between them, I love it. It's great. I, I was on cloud nine yeah. after this episode. They had a great scene in the car where it was like... <laughs> Mount Rushmore? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the Cole couldn't understand what he was saying. And he's yes. like basically screaming at him. He's like, she's sick. She's got motion sickness. Or whatever. But it was just Yeah, he's like, that. he's that's like, in Russia. Up. It's like, I've been dealing with you for over 25 years. I'm <laughs> fed up with you. I know. That poor girl. She's uh, like... The Blue Rose. I love that we're back to the Blue Rose. I, I really feel like this this series has been like a geek's or, or a, ner- yeah, a nerd's mm-hmm. dream. Like, like I, I really wasn't sure they touched the, the Red Room. I... The Red Room, I didn't know we were going to get that. I didn't know we were going to get a lot of the Blue Rose. And then to have Agent Jeffries is like everything I ever wanted. One Blue Rose. It doesn't get any bluer. Albert, before we do anything else, we need one certain person to take a look at Cooper. I'm right with you. Do you still know where she lives? I know where she drinks. Diane. And then we're back at the Roadhouse. With a, a nice, lovely song. Yes. And the soundtrack yet again is amazing. I hope they put a soundtrack oh, out. Oh, they got to be. I, I think, actually, um, they have it on Amazon as in September. So I Ooh. feel like when this show is over, it'll be available to, to buy. It would make sense because I'm sure songs might give way things. Yeah. Okay, we're on the phone with the Blue Rose magazine. Hey, Scott, how are we doing? Good. I Thanks say- for having the team on. We've got... Uh... A bunch of us here, and we're excited to promote issue two. And it's a really big, big issue. I I cannot believe you guys were able to cram everything that you were able to get into this this issue. 
It's actually crazy. If you hold the issue just right and shake it, a pine weasel falls out. So it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's unique as this issue is being worked on and coming out right when we've started the new series. So it's a you can't really cover a lot of the new series because you're you know going to put it out now. Yeah, it is a very unique issue in the history of Twin Peaks because even if you go back to the wrapped and plastic days. There never was an issue that came out when mm. Twin Peaks was airing. And this will be the only issue, unless there's a season two, which we're hoping for, Press that Press. comes out actually um, when the show is airing. Mm. So what we decided to do was to not really focus on covering season three because it's too soon. But I will bump it to John Thorne, who writes a three-page article on the cast premiere and the two-hour beginning. So, John, why don't you talk about what you wrote? Yeah, no, uh, it was was very fortunate timing, actually, because uh, we didn't know until really very, very close to the deadline that I was going to be going out to Los Angeles and fortunate enough to go to the premiere and then the party. So we um, kind of scrambled a little bit and decided to make that the, the, the first article in the magazine covering that event. Mm. Uh, you know, how it, all, how it all went down, you know, what it was like to be there, you know, who I met at the party and some of their, their comments and responses, plus uh, a bunch of pictures that we got from that whole time out there. So that was kind of nice. It was a unique event to happen for us to be able to get it right into the magazine relatively soon after it all happened. I think we're all fortunate. The readers are fortunate. We were fortunate to be able to do that. We were originally going to try to do something, sort of an initial response to the series. Uh, and I think we're all kind of lucky, too, that we can have some time to think about it and have that in a later issue. It's a great piece that you put together, John, and I, I think people really enjoy hearing your experience of actually getting to be part of the premiere. I mean, to be able to be with the, be with the actors and other people that, that produced it, and you actually ran into other people that have... Uh, famous people that have been in other uh, TV shows and stuff, producers and stuff. So I think, yeah, it's a great piece that you put together. Thanks. Yeah, no, I'm really, really happy with how it turned out and glad that we have this because it's really a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Just, you know, it, would, it wouldn't work to have this article in, you know, next year's magazine, uh, you know, an issue from next year. It's perfect timing. It's, it's pretty, pretty current to what happened. So mm. it'll be there. And so, Scott, what else is in this issue? I mean, we, we, it's such, there's so much going on. There's so much content. Well, what we decided early on to do was to focus on the Laura Palmer diary because the Audible version with Cheryl Lee was released May 2nd, and that was as close to our deadline. So the focus and the cover of this magazine is the Laura Palmer Diary. Mm. But it isn't the original picture. We actually have Cheryl Lee now posing. So we're very excited that our first Twin Peaks actor to grace the Blue Rose is Cheryl Lee. That was awesome. Really cool. That's so cool. And I do yeah. love the cover. Stallings took the picture of Cheryl Lee when she spoke with her on her article called The Darkest Secrets of Twin Peaks. It's uh, Courtney's article, with all due respect to all of us, 
really is strong. I think probably the strongest piece in issue two. You know, I haven't been over promoting it because it's a very sensitive subject, mm. but it's an important subject. And it's, it's going to move you. And Cheryl Lee was able to comment on it. Showtime gave permission because it's not about season three. It's about the dark life that Laura lived. And so Courtney did a great job on that piece. I'd like to just jump in and second what Scott said, too. I think Courtney's piece is a very, very good, strong uh, centerpiece to this magazine. And I think... You know, I think it's proof that the Blue Rose magazine is more than just a fan magazine, you know, covering this show. Um, we're, we're, we want essays like this, and we hope to have more like this, uh, you, you know, that are deep and well thought out and well written. Um, this is a substantive piece of work that she did, and I think it elevates the magazine. And you have some more of Robert Angles. Uh, you got you, you kind of split up your interview from the first issue. Yeah, I um, when I talked to him, we talked for three and a half hours. Wow! Wow! So there was no way to do that in one issue. So in the first issue, I just kind of tasted it with a little bit of Twin Peaks. This is a hardcore Firewalk with Me Missing Pieces interview. Nice things he's never discussed before because mm. we hadn't had the missing pieces before. Mm. So I. You know, and really, in noticing how much season three or the return links to Firewalk with me, I think this interview is actually more relevant than when I did it back in December. Because, so I don't know, I really like that. And then staying on the missing pieces, let's jump to Maya, who is on the phone with us as well. Maya covered the missing pieces. Take it away, Maya. Uh, sure. You know, I feel uh, like I had it like a little bit easy this time because <laughs> I actually did, you know, for Scott, when we first talked about that for issue one, uh, we didn't really know exactly what, you know, he just said, write whatever you want and write it as long as you want. And it was <laughs> really, really long. So it, I think it was just, it was like too much, you know, because you have to condense it a little bit. So it was really great because, uh, you know, John and, and Scott and Courtney, they all helped me and we kind of condensed it and then broke it into like two parts. And I think that's kind of nice to see in the first few hours. It just seems like there's already some callbacks to the missing pieces and to mm. Mark Frost's book and to all kinds of stuff that we've been covering in the magazine. I really just had to do some editing and cleaning up and stuff like that this, this time. It was great to have it in there and i feel always very happy to be part of all of it so yeah it really is a resource i know that i'm always kind of like oh yeah there was that scene yeah and like when did that scene happen like i'm always thinking about like the red room and like is it future or is it past or is it like there's just different scenes and i'm like when did that happen and like it's great to have this and go through it and say oh yeah that's at this point yeah it makes it very convenient yeah think about the whole magazine you know when you take courtney's piece and maya's piece that's when you've got to bring in Geneva. Her art is amazing in this issue. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about what you did? The artwork this issue was actually really fun. I got to be a little bit more creative. And also the pictures for the missing pieces, that was like a really test of trying to capture the likenesses of their characters. With Courtney's piece, I got to kind of delve into my own style, which mm -hmm. I felt kind of worked 
pretty well with um, her article. So I really enjoyed that. I think my favorite piece is the is the one that where you have Bob hovering over yeah. Laura Palmer. That, I mean, that's a really amazing piece that you put together. Oh, thank you, Scott. He was talking to me and said, "Well, you know, I want Laura on the bed, but can we do something like Bob somehow in there?" And uh, you know, just came together like that. And in like in person, the actual drawing is really intense. So I hope it really, you know, captures it in the magazine. Yeah. It's creepy. So it, creepy. It is eerie, but it's very well done, yeah. <laughs> awesome work, Thank Geneva. You. Really cool. Yeah. Really upset herself in this issue. I'm so proud of her. And I, and we need to say that it was her idea to draw Mark Frost. Hmm. And tell me what you told me about that, Geneva, because I thought it was super interesting. I was inspired by Mark Frost because at that point in time, everybody does drawings of David Lynch. And there's all kinds of creative interpretations on, you know, on him from, like, different artists in the community. But there has never, ever been drawing of, of Mark Frost to try and capture his creativity and the dedication to the admiration that many of us feel for him and his contributions. Mm. So I, I really felt inspired to do a series of Mark Frost drawings. Um, that one ended up, that ended up in the magazine was actually um, one of the first ones that I did, which I really, really liked it. And you might not be able to tell, but there's a secret uh, code in that picture, actually, in the darkness of the purple, um, if you look very closely, you might be able to make out the word that it says. When she told me about how no one had had drawn Mark Frost before, and I was like, that is re- that's awesome. Yes, draw one and let's put it in. I knew we had an interview with Mark, but Andrea, so her picture of Mark Frost goes with the interview with Mark. Nice. Yeah, great job. And both Scott and John did a, like a tribute piece for Warren Frost and Miguel Ferreira. Just to do a tribute to these actors that matter to us. In issue one, my favorite piece of mine is the tribute to Catherine Colson because she matters a lot to me. Mm. And I wanted to to somehow keep the, the in memoriams attached to Catherine Colson. Well, when I was watching part one... She said, this is a message from the log. Hmm. And I was like, that's, that's got to be our title from now on whenever we do these pieces to the actors that we lose. Because then it's attached to Catherine because she was sort of the first one that we covered. Hmm. And John wrote about Miguel Ferro, and I did Warren Cross. Mark Gibbons from Deer Meadows Radio Podcast, who did an article. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, Good to talk to you again. Um, Yeah, it was was great. It was an honor and a privilege to to get on board this train here. Uh, Longtime fan of Raps and Plastic and uh, new fan of the Blue Rose. So excited to, to get in on the action. And... What we came up with, and I was working with uh, David Bushman, uh, if you've been following along um, my side of things, uh, talked to you guys about it um, mm. more than a year ago, uh, look, look, started looking into this old murder mystery, um, Hazel Drew, 100 years old, mm. that Mark Frost 
um, used as inspiration for, you know, basically the starting of Twin Peaks. Now, not all the specifics of the case and uh, that kind of thing. It happened in Sand Lake, New York, at the upper state, New York, um, near Albany, small mm. town, which we, we had been up to and visited, and it feels like Twin Peaks right there. It's kind of crazy. Um, and it's kind of this, you know, we don't, we all know Lynch and, uh, Kyle McLaughlin and so forth grew up in the, the Northwest and that's obviously an inspiration, but I think this is kind of a hidden, you know, aspect of it. Mm. Um, just as you guys were just discussing with, uh, Mark Frost kind of being the quiet, silent partner again, um, there's a lot of inspiration up there and he talked about, um, we actually talked to him as well for this article, him and Scott Frost, and they talked about, Growing up in the region and uh, different stories, he was very generous with his time. And, you said Scott um, Frost, so that's Mark Frost's like, brother. Yeah, his brother as well, who worked on Twin Peaks and uh, was a novelist and so forth. Um, but they talked about kind of growing up and their family in the area, and just very interesting. Like his grandfather um, was a doctor uh, with the last name of Calhoun, who grew up in this uh, the Sand Lake area. So we did little connections like that. Um, but anyway, uh, in the in the broader picture, we wanted to get the story of Hazel Drew out, which I covered a little bit on my podcast. Mm. But I, it would have just been the Hazel Drew podcast. I'd still be doing it. Um, <laughs> but we actually, yeah, uh, David Bushman also kind of stumbled upon this, and uh, it's been about a year now. We've been collaborating, looking into it, and we really want to do a book. Um, but to kind of get the get the action going. We're looking for a platform and David knows uh, Scott and, uh, you know, you know, small community kind of thing. So we were lucky enough to hook up with the guys and uh, provide an article. So That's awesome. And, you know, my fa- one of my favorite episodes that you did for the Gear Metal Radio is the Hazel Drew. Uh, it's a great one. Yeah, it was a great show. I love that. So I'm glad that you are still pursuing Hazel Drew. I'm glad that David Bushman's work on it and you get to hear more. I mean, you get to read more about it in Blue... Rose Magazine. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's it's a crazy thing. So we're all been pumped up. Obviously, everyone here has been pumped up for the Twin Peaks uh, return, and we're all right in the middle of it now. But we've kind of been in this parallel uh, murder mystery, uh, gone through old newspapers. It was a very, at the time, notorious case. So there's just a wealth of material, and you know we've kind of we've we've been in touch with uh, descendants of people involved in the case and. You know, the local historian up there has shown us around. So sure, it's awesome. been great. We were lucky enough um, to get an article in the Washington Post, which was uh, broader, kind of talking about comparisons mm. to Peaks. In the, in the Blue Rose, it's, it's more kind of how we envisioned the book would be. So you're, awesome. you're getting into the suspects and some of the theories more. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. It's, uh, it was a lot of fun, and and again, these guys were great back and forth uh, with editing and suggestions to, to make the article better. It was great. Would love to hop on board another uh, issue down the road. I know you guys are booked for a while, but uh, <laughs> maybe maybe at some point down the road there. Sounds good, John. Why don't you cover David Bushman's other article? Uh, David Bushman was fortunate enough to get an interview with Jennifer Lynch. and she was able to talk a little bit about uh, the Secret Diary and a little bit about uh, the audio version of the diary. It's a short interview, but it's, it's a really good interview regarding, you know, uh, Laura, the character of Laura Palmer and how she's depicted in the work that Jennifer Lynch did. I'm glad it's, it's in the magazine. 
Yeah, it's it's a great interview. I was I was really curious about Jennifer Lynch's involvement with the audiobook, and so you get to hear more about that. I think it's a it's a really nice piece. Yeah. So that is our team. That that's the blue rose. But the exciting part, if this wasn't enough for you, it seems ridiculous <laughs> that this wouldn't be enough for you. Everyone who buys issue two gets a Showtime card. It's about five inches by three inches, let's say. And if you look at it one way, it's Cooper. If you turn it the other way, it's Laura Palmer. On the back is the red room. It says, I'll see you in 25 years. Hmm. If you buy one, you get one. You don't have to wonder if it's going to come or not. And we're giving them out with each one. Showtime was great to give us this. And so that's a little extra bonus for... You get that if you subscribe, which we offer a subscription for issue two, three, and four, or if you just buy issue two. I think it's a collector's item in the sense that, like, you know, there's things out there that, like, oh, I wish I could have had the Japanese Twin Peaks cards, or there's things you probably look at now where it's really hard to get. I would mm -hmm. say, you know, this alone is probably a collector's item that you may think years later, like, wouldn't it be cool if I had gotten the, the exclusive Showtime card? Yeah, and you don't have to get it on eBay or, or hunt it down. It's going to come wrapped in plastic like we do. I'm going to wrap them right <laughs> in with the... Um, magazine. So Scott, you were, you were mentioning about subscriptions. Can you get into cost and how do you go about getting the magazine? Yeah, so you should go out to www.bluerosemagmag.com. We offer a subscription for 22.50 which gives you three issues guaranteed at the $7.50 price. Um, that's what we subscribe at. That's the lowest way to get the magazine, and it puts you there because we do offer a pre-order price, but then once the magazine goes live, the price goes up. So, because we're trying to get as many people to pre-order, so it helps us mm. keep this business afloat. And the subscription is always for two, three, four. You know, we're not. You don't go back to one if you want one or it's its own thing. Mm. And then once three comes, we're not giving a subscription for three, four, five or something like that. Because, I mean, it'll kill my wife, who's our bookkeeper. Right? <laughs> we're just going to do one subscription a year. We'll offer a new one, you know, starting with five. Um, if you don't want the hard copy, you can go out to Amazon. We do offer a Kindle edition which is much cheaper. It doesn't look quite as nice. I don't like it as much as the hard copy, so we don't normally push that. But it is uh, a cheaper edition, and it's on Kindle. So awesome. there's many ways to get the Blue Rose. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I just want to say that, you know, I feel very lucky to have this team. And I wanted to tell the story about teamwork because I think this matters in America today. Mm. You know, Mark mentioned how we we all go back and forth with edits, and that's what we do. Maya comments on my articles, as well as John's, and John tells me. Well, you know, John and I are very different people, and we're different writers. And we take each other to task with our writing. Mm. And we push and pull each other, and we're still friends. We still work together. We compromise. And this is something that is missing in America right now. Mm. And I just love being part of this team where we all work together 
we all have a deadline and we get this magazine out. And it's so important to compromise and work together so something bigger than you can happen. Awesome. And to me, that's what the Blue Rose team is about. And I'm just really proud to work with every one of them. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think it really shows, too. It really shows. Awesome. I mean, you guys have quality work. I, I love what you guys are doing. Blown away. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to go around and just mention, like, you know, who you guys are, how you guys can be followed? You can follow me on Twitter, at Thorn Whip. I have my book out on Amazon, uh, The Essential Wrapped in Plastic, and I am hard at work right now on issue three. I'm working on an episode guide for the new series. Uh, you know, that's going to, I mean, everybody's doing an episode guide. I know uh, they're all out there on the internet, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to, uh, to analyze each episode, and, uh, well, we're all going to be doing that, not just me. Uh, and, um, look at what questions each episode raises and, you know, try to give it a critique, how it works and, and why it's great. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so that's, that's what we're working on. It's going to take the whole summer. Obviously the show is on all mm -hmm. summer, but uh, we have to start now to, to get it done right. It's going to be pretty good. Yeah. And John, you know, you say everybody's doing an episode guy, but you know, you're you're very unique and special in and how you analyze things and like you have your book Essential Wrapped in Plastic that, you know, there's an episode episode guy in that, but I love that book and I love that you read it and and you find things that other people don't see. So it's not yeah. like it's just not like an average episode guy. This is something special that you guys bring to to the magazine. Your your, your unique take on things and I think it's going to be a, a great issue come you know, a few months from now or so. No, thanks. Yeah, we're, we're going to do our best uh, to, to give it some good perspective on, on what Mark Frost and David Lynch are doing. So, yes, you can follow me at Twin Peaks blog, which is uh, on Twitter and also Facebook. I think you can search me that way. And, uh, of course, my blog is um, TwinPeaksFanatic.blogspot.com. And, um, you know, I'd... Scott said so many nice things. I just want to thank all of you guys for always being so supportive. And it's just so much fun. It almost feels <laughs> not not right, but it's great. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just having a great time. And, uh, yeah, awesome. looking forward to seeing what's going to happen all summer. Can you follow me on Instagram or Twitter um, at Eclectic Diary? Um, or you can send me a message at EclecticIry at gmail.com. So, and I'll be drawing pictures all summer and doing some special artwork for uh, some special articles that uh, Maya will be posting. So I'm not really on the internet that much, but you could always shout me out so you can see my stuff through her. So, yeah, we're still working on Hazel Drew. Read the Get the Blue Rose number two. Uh, Google, it was in the Washington Post a couple weeks ago, Hazel Drew two different kind of slants on it and we're working on the on the book with uh, David Bushman uh, still still early days for that but stay tuned for that and then we have the show the Deer Meadow Radio we're trying to uh, kick it back into life lately there's been you know people have been clamoring for a format change we're not there yet we are back on the air just did an episode on uh, based on a lot of John Thorne's work <laughs> all those years mm -hmm. ago in Wrapped in Plastic but uh, the, the kind of original season three Hmm. Um, so we put that out there based on uh, Frost and Lynch and uh, Angles and Peyton, basically. But that's Deer Meadow Radio. Uh, it's on Facebook, Twitter.
Twitter, DeerMeadowRadio.Wilson.com. We're, we're hoping to dive into the new series if we can uh, get get ourselves in gear here pretty pretty soon. Yeah, I want to hear from that mystery woman that was on one of your previous shows. We're so waiting. I, we're waiting. <laughs> yeah, you're you're. You're the one clamoring for the format. <laughs> I'm, I'm, your, I'm your biggest fan here. Yes. <laughs> Actually, real quick, I've been like, I've been Stay hearing tuned. about this Stay change tuned. for years. Been, for years, I've been hearing the word we when you talk. Like, it was always like, you know, Mark's the only one on the show, but uh, he says right. we. <laughs> so I feel like there's somebody Give else. My that, all right. I have a website, scottryanproductions.com. And my 30-something book is coming out one week from today on June 7th. I'm ah, very excited. I've been working on it for a year and a half. And it'll be in bookstores everywhere and at scottryanproductions.com. And you can follow on Twitter at BlueRoseMag1. I'm always sending out something from the Blue Rose, keeping it out there. So we just want you to enjoy issue two. We really packed it in. I think people... If you like issue one, you're going to love issue two. Cool. Very exciting. Very exciting. When you guys were going around the table, I should have asked about how you guys think of this new series. It's great. It's it's more than I could have hoped for. It's beautiful. I can't wait for each week now to come so we can get more Twin Peaks. I'm absolutely loving it. I, I think it's for us. I think it's for the diehards and those who have been so devoted. Mm. And I love it. I agree. I think that how, uh, you know, you have a doppelganger and you have your real self, but just like how there was Maddie, the, the person that looked like Laura in real life. So I think there's like three versions of everybody. Like you have your, your real self, you have a doppelganger, and then you have somebody else out in the world that looks just like you. Mm. It's true. Love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, uh, I'm on board. I'm, uh, I'm loving uh, every minute. For me, the key was like kind of going in with no expectations because I've seen some feedback, you know, it's, it's different. I mean, it's definitely Twin Peaks, but it's different. And I, that was my expectation that it was going to be different. Mm. So I, I tried to go in blank and just, you know, uh, I cut down on social media a little bit, um, just wanted to watch the show. Binged it probably like everyone on here because you had to when they released it. <laughs> and then just basically been, you know, watching an episode a day kind of soon. So, um, yeah, and it, everyone's got to be fired up for the next episode. So it's, uh, it's oh. great. Uh, I haven't seen it. Did, did it start yet? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also thinking about Geneva's idea, and I'm thinking that out there in the world, my double is George Clooney. I don't know. It just seems right to me. Nah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, you know, I, I have to be a smart ass. You're lucky I didn't sing. This is Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Usually I sing a song. We need a song. I'm thinking about singing my uh. I actually think it is better than I ever thought it was going to be. I thought I would like it but I didn't think I would love it. Mm. And what it's honestly doing to me is stopping me from watching anything else. I struggle watching Fargo and Better Call Saul and The Americans, all which I love, mm. because I'm wondering why the hell I'm watching that and not watching some people. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's consuming me in, in the way it did when I was younger, and that makes me very happy. Yeah, That's great. It's great feeling. Yeah. Uh. 
Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, it was great having you again. And I cannot believe how good this issue is. Like, I was so happy with issue one. And then it would <laughs> how could they top two. it? How could you top it? Yeah. And then, like, every Scott would, would put out a little bit of information. And it's like, wait a minute. How are you guys going to fit all of this into 24 uh, pages? Yeah. And, you and guys, they did it. They did it. And Amazing. it's great. And it's something else. And I would recommend everybody listening to this to get a subscription to Blue Rose Magazine. And thank you. Blue Rose Magazine for coming on today's show. I hope everybody goes out and subscribes to what it will be and is an awesome magazine. It's so good. It's It really it reminds me of Wrapped in Plastic, but they're doing their own thing as well, mm-hmm. and it's modern, and it's, it's, hip. Bring, it's hip, and it's bringing all these different people together to make great work. I love it. So, Ben, last week I wanted to dive into community feedback. We didn't have the time. Do we have time tonight? We do. So after each episode or part um, on Facebook, I post a a photo from that night's episode. And I say, what do you guys think? And Facebook has blown up for us. Facebook was very quiet for a long time, but we're approaching 700 likes we're constantly getting new folks, mm. so you can like us at Twin Peaks Unwrapped on Facebook and join in in the after show conversation um, because I might read your question or thought um, on that week's show. So believe it or not, I posted, hello, hey, Dougie, thoughts on part three and four, and we got tons of them. Mm. Um a lot of people, uh, someone said, still blown away, love it, but this hello, confused Dougie is not my favorite scene. Find it a little, find it a little too comic. Miss the real Cooper. So, you know, not everybody, I mean, I think we're fans of this Dougie, this Cooper trying to, uh, a reborn Cooper. Mm. Some people are probably like, I want the classic Cooper back. And I'm kind of on that side of things. I mean, I thought it was funny and I liked it, but I miss the old Cooper. I want him to come back. And I think he is. Yeah. I think we're on that journey towards the old Cooper coming back. Definitely. Someone writes, Kyle is smashing it in each of his roles. Now, this kind of reminds me of Orphan Black. You have an actress playing all these clones, and mm. each clone has to have their own dialect their own um, personality, and it really shows the range of an actor to make every character feel different, like someone completely different. And Kyle MacGauchlan is doing amazing. He's kicking ass. I mean, I am amazed by his performance. Like, I think this is, like, the best role he's ever done. I remember, you know, checking out a lot of his roles after Twin Peaks. Somewhere didn't work out so well, Showgirls. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah but like i mean i've i've liked his stuff he did something like he did the trial he's done a lot of other things over the years you know sex in the city he's done a lot of different things but this is like amazing work he's doing like i really do think this is the best work he's ever done on the new twin peaks definitely totally agree and we have to give a shout out to robert a perry who had the theory which ben brought up earlier on today's show he writes, is it just me, or does the eyeless woman's voice kind of sound like the noises that were coming from the phonograph mm-hmm. in the very beginning of the first episode? Um, and that's something we did touch upon. I agree. It's To me, it sounds it spot on sounds like that. Yeah, so Robert, good ear. One of our listeners, uh, David Summers. Ooh, what do we got? 
he and I like this. I didn't. I forgot even the name of the secretary, but the secretary's name is Betty, and we actually yeah. knew a Betty in Twin Peaks, as in Betty Briggs. So I think he had a theory that it could be. We could find out that that's actually Betty Briggs, who's the secretary of the principal. What? But I mean, I know we're in South Dakota, but who's to say that she wouldn't have left? And I feel like uh, Mr. C would have a reason to maybe get a hold of Betty Briggs because she might still have information for of Major Briggs. Like she, and he did talk to Major Briggs. Thank you for everybody. I'm just uh, touching upon the few people that I'm just scrolling through. Every week, I will post something. We will discuss after on Facebook, and we'll read it out loud and have a little discussion like this every week. Yeah, one other connection. I, I think I've heard it other places, but I've thought this all along, too. So Tracy from where the glass box is, mm-hmm. I do wonder if she was getting paid by the guy. So we're, is it, We is talked it about Las this. Bag, Las Vegas? Yes. Uh, the guy says, why do you do this? And it's like, give it to the girl. And I feel like, could it be, the, could it be Tracy or could it be the next girl that's going to go visit the box yes yeah you know i still think that person the money is going to the next person to take over the box or the next person to go find the box or whatever with the box Mm -hmm. but yeah tracy i think was definitely a spy i think that guard disappeared because of her i feel like she had there was something that got rid of that guard and if you would like to leave us a comment theory or anything please email us at twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com you can also find us on Facebook at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. And Ben is on Twitter. He's running the whole Twin Peaks Unwrapped at show. Twin Peaks Unwrap. And I'm Damn Fine Java on Twitter as well. And we kind of talk back and forth. Sometimes we cross paths. We do cross paths <laughs> on Twitter. Um, so we have a great time on there. In Reddit, uh, a lot of cool stuff in the Reddit community. Um, highly recommend that to anybody who's new to Reddit. You go to Reddit, type in Twin Peaks. Bam. Instant friends. Awesome. See you next week. I'll see you in the tree. Tell us where you've been, Wally. My family, my friend. I've crisscrossed this great land of ours countless times. I hold the map of it here in my heart, next to the joyful memories of the carefree days I spent as a young boy here in your beautiful town of Twin Peaks.